To celebrate Black History, The Post and Courier is presenting a series of podcasts and video interviews featuring 12 dynamic South Carolina leaders to know. We talk to people from all over the state about their efforts to advance social justice, celebrate black culture, address community needs, and create a better world. Our podcasts and videos will be released monthly through January 2022. To learn about South Carolina's pantheon of social justice warriors, go to postandcourier.com slash blackhistory. Join us in learning about our state's remarkable change agents. Trident Technical College celebrates black history and all the great leaders of South Carolina. Education is improving the lives of others and for leaving your community and your world better than you found it. Marion Wright Edelman. Visit tridenttech.edu to explore educational opportunities and ways to impact your community. Coach Don Staley, hi. Uh, what a pleasure it is to meet you. Thank you for hosting us here. Uh, thank you for sharing your life lessons with us. I'm uh, eager to learn more about how you got to where you are today, which is somewhat amazing. Mm -hmm. and um, the future and what the future will hold as well. But let's start at the beginning. We'll go chronologically. We'll talk okay. about your youth <laughs> a little bit. Um, how would you describe uh, the, the manner in which you've accumulated your values? Well, I, I am the youngest of uh, five. Five. Yeah, the youngest of five. I grew up in a, the housing projects in North Philly, um, two-parent home, mother, a disciplinarian. Okay. Um, so you inherited that, I guess. I, I did, I did, and it's it's wasn't great growing up, but as I look back on it and I find myself in this profession, it is by far the best foundation I could have had because. Um, when I, where I grew up, you could get into a lot of things that could negatively impact mm -hmm. your life. And I had a mother who didn't allow her children to stray too far from that. Now, I have older brothers who, you know, probably strayed a, a lot more than I did. Um, <laughs> and but, teased you and picked on you yes, along the way, yes. I am guessing. But the baby, the baby was protected. The baby had so many layers of protection okay. from my, my siblings and my parents. and. You know, they didn't really want me to fall um, prey to what was happening in, in, in the project. So um, I, I took the road of just playing sports and just being the, you know, I, I, would, I would say I was probably a little disgruntled as a, as a younger sister because of the protection. They didn't want me to play with the boys. They didn't want me to go outside. They didn't want me to hang with them. They didn't, you know, they, so you felt held back a bit. I, I felt like um, they had more freedom than I did. So it was unfair. And I, are, are I your would, siblings would, all male brothers? No, I have three brothers. One just recently passed away. So I have two brothers, living brothers, and one one sister. Okay. So um, yeah, they had a. But if you ask them, I had more freedom than they did, and it's a weird dynamic how. You know, you see it through their lens and you see it through my lens. And I I just felt like I, I wasn't, and maybe it was because of the age difference. Because my, my older brothers and sister, 
are two, six, seven, and eight years older than me. Yeah. Yeah, six, seven, and eight. That's a lot. Yep. That's like a whole. <laughs> you're in middle school. They're in high school. Yes. You know, you're in. You're in a whole different. Why do you think that is? That maybe because they were, your parents relied on them to protect you, and so they were creating the bubble around you. Or, I I don't, I don't know if they just didn't want their little sister involved in, in all the things that, you know, that they perceive girls shouldn't be involved in. Like their perception. Oh, interesting. Sports is one of them, though. You know, sports is like something that, you know, wasn't an accepting thing when for you girls. Were, for girls, yeah. Because I, I didn't have any, I didn't play against any girls growing up. It was all guys, and and I just I had no alternative motive besides wanting to play, wanting to compete, wanting to wanting to get better, wanting to occupy my time with something that that gave me great joy, and that was competing and winning. So it was just a, a thing to focus on and do for you as a kid. At what point did you sense that maybe this was a longer road for you, that maybe this was an opportunity mm -hmm. of some kind? Well, I, I, I would say probably somewhere around eighth grade, I received my first college letter of interest. Yeah, it was like Dartmouth. Like Which has a good program. It has a good program. Yeah. I mean, it's an Ivy League school, and um, I didn't really know the significance of it besides um, someone thought I had some uh, decent enough skills from a basketball standpoint to, to, you know, it piqued my interest. This, uh, there was a scout that came to a high school game or something no, like that? No, it was what just a, a mere letter. A letter that came how in the did mail. They, how were, why were you on their radar? I have no idea. I have no idea. But Virginia, Virginia said they started recruiting me when I was in the eighth grade as well. But I didn't receive a letter from they have them. They're spies that I get. Yeah, you get were able deployed. to do a lot, a lot more <laughs> back then with recruiting versus now. There, there weren't any specific times that you can go recruit. You could be at a like a neighborhood league, and and it was okay to watch and. And I, I guess that's what Dartmouth saw me play because I, I didn't really play outside of my neighborhood or I may have played in different parts of the city, but never outside of Philadelphia. Hmm. And I guess it was a little more hard scrabble for women's basketball at that time, right? I mean, there was more variety, more diversity, less money, less mm -hmm. everything. It was just a bunch of young women playing. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the... The two events that I've only seen when I was younger on TV, that were the Olympic Games mm -hmm. and the National Championship Game. So that was the only time that I saw um, females playing a sport and a sport that I love to play. How old were you when you saw the I, I had to Olympics. be 14. Maybe younger, I, my recollection doesn't take me that, that far back. I wasn't being recruited at that time, so I had to be around 13 or 14. But the thought entered your head at that point, I guess, oh, I could, I could be there. That came to mind, and then I had, a, I had a neighborhood friend who just, I know he was nitpicking, but he would just say things like, you can't play on that level. Like, you know, those are far superior players than, than little old you. 
And it, it fueled me. I, I, it, it was the <laughs> challenge that I needed to draw myself into just perfecting my game and, and making myself. But I, it wasn't a thing that drove me every day. Um, what drove me every day was just my neighborhood, just being a part of just pride and winning on your neighborhood um, court, whether that's outside or whether that's, you know, at the Hank Gathers Recreational Center, which was called Moreland Center when I was growing up. Um, that gave me great joy. Like I lived to come home from school, drop my books off and go, go play. And go play. And the community provided support. Yeah, oh absolutely. Yeah. And support can be construed in different ways. You know, support for me, support is whether you believe in me or not. You know, like the the critics are my supporters because they support my ability to to hone in and really really find a way to make things happen um, out there that that they don't think could happen from a from a girl's standpoint. Okay, so you like critics? I do. <laughs> In I a actually way. do. Yeah. 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 I like to. I like to check off the things they say I can't accomplish. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So I just I let's go to ten thousand feet for one second, and then we'll get back to okay. your career trajectory and all of that. But when you were coming up and still a teenager and then a college student. When you were coming up in women's basketball, um, the game was played a certain way and women's basketball as an institution was configured a certain way and expectation. Today it's pretty different, right? Mm -hmm. how, how would you compare your own experience with the experience of your team today? Um. I, I would say there is a different, um, and, and I don't, I'm not, I'm just using this because I don't, this is what first came to mind. I think growing up 35 years ago, when women were playing basketball, I consider it like blue collar, and I consider it white collar today, because there are so many rules that will allow that benefits the offensive player. Okay. Yeah. And um, when there weren't those rules back then, you, you had to really play. Play, um, you, you really had to be strategic in how you offset physicality. Um, and and I'm, I'm not saying that the game today isn't physical, because it, it, it is, of but course. there are there are rules that have been implemented to allow the offense to free flow and, you know, you can't cut, you know, you can't cut cutters, you can't mm -hmm. jam them up. Mm -hmm. you, you have to let them just go where they want to go. Mm -hmm. Back then, it was, you know, it was a dog-eat-dog -dog world and you had to bring it It was still night. a sport that came from the streets, in a way. Yeah, it, it did, you know, it did. I mean, it and did. And, and, um, and I, I think players have gotten so much better just in a different way. So much better in that you're able to show your skill set if you got a skill set. Back then, you you had to have a skill set, you had to have a knack for just outfoxing your opponent in a way that from a physical standpoint versus a skill set standpoint. And you didn't have any help back then from the officials. 
You just had to be better than the next person. Do you miss that at all? Sort of the strategic, oh, the cleverness that... I, I do, and I, I, it never really leaves you because you're always trying to figure out ways to, to beat the rule. Is that part of your coaching practice? Do you try to instill in your team that kind of thinking? I, yes, I mean, I, I, I try Even if to it's not necessarily legal, as right? necessary now. Yes, because I would say we're, we're gonna play a style of play. The, the officials won't be able to call everything, okay? True. And if they're in that, if we're in a game in which they're calling a whole lot, we do have to make the adjustment. Um, but I, I don't think I stray from far from how I play throughout the years to how I coach. And I don't think, you know, coaching year one to year 21 has changed from a, my approach physically. It, it more changed mentally and in, in, in who you're dealing with and what they can or cannot um, recover from, so to speak. <laughs> so, so you're accommodating the particular needs of the students and, and the players that you're working with at any given time. Oh, you most definitely have to. But how has that changed over time? Oh, I'll, I'll tell you how, how it's changed. I have um, two people in my office that works. They, they work in my office. Um, one is our director of basketball operations and one is my assistant. They are a part of my first recruiting class at Temple 21 years ago. So... Um, they they gave me a nickname. And Back then? No, oh, now. Recently. Because they've seen me coach throughout the years, okay. and they, they call me Charmin. Charmin. Like the toilet paper? Yeah, soft, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it cleans up good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. But I, I just call it pivoting. You know, the, the things that worked as a coach 21 years ago would not. Like, I would not be around... I would not be around. I would not have hold a job. <laughs> so you were you were stricter in the I was, past. I was stricter. I was just more get after it. I was I was more old school. Like, you know the I I started coaching in 1999, 2000. I played in my first Olympic Games in '96. So um, I kept all of my material from from. Um, um, from when we when we actually practice and prep for one year prior to the Olympics. Yeah. So we had a workout we had to do. I just photocopied it really. Took out USA basketball and put in Temple. <laughs> yeah. And they had to do what Tara Vanderveer asked her Olympic team to do. To do. And it was grueling. But I, I, I said I, I didn't think they could get through the entire because it was like a like a month program. I said, if they can get halfway through this, then we're in a pretty good place. They, okay. they can be half as good as what an Olympic athlete can do. You know, that's a great start. I mean, it kicked their butt. It absolutely kicked their butt, but... Um, Did they get through it? They got through most of it. Most of it? Yeah. And then when I, fast forward, when I came to South Carolina in 2008, our um, team doctor's still here, like Dr. Jeff Guy. And he used to see a lot of our athletes because of the way I was as far as just getting our players in shape. We did. We spent a lot of time on the track. I'm old school. I like to know where I'm starting and what I need to do to finish. And, I, and the measurements were right there. 
Um, so I, I, I did utilize some of what we did at Temple here, and it was just a, culturally, it was a different type of young person, uh, meaning um, city versus, you know, southern, rural. Right. And right. they just, they, they, they were probably more charming <laughs> than, than my players at, at, at Temple. So you got to make the adjustment. Um, you know, the doctors used to say, you might need to just kind of take it easy on them a little bit. <laughs> right. like, That's nothing. I mean, this is like half of what we did. Um, but you, you, also the, the player, too, when I first got here, they didn't want to be a professional athlete. You know, basketball was a, a vehicle to get them to wherever they wanted to go. It was non-basketball, non-athletic related. Mm-hmm. So that was new to me too. Like I, I think I'm a, I'm better coach because of having to experience that and giving young people what they want, what they what they actually want. And some of them don't want to be pros. Right. I don't really recruit them, those type of players anymore. Anymore. Because I, I just it's more, it's I'm more relatable to someone that has aspirations yeah. of following. Well, what and, I'm really good at. And my understanding is you're particularly adept at preparing young people mm-hmm. for a professional career, and which is why this happens, I mm-hmm. guess, why you recruit them and why they right. come and work with mm-hmm. you because they know you're going to give them that. But I, I learned to, um, I, I also learned that everybody's not going to be a pro. Even so, the ones who intend to be. Oh, absolutely. Right, yeah. So that... Those first couple of years I was here was at South Carolina, I grasped that element and that dynamic of them not wanting to be pros and kind of added to, you know, I try to give that to, instill that in some of the, in all of them that's going to be pro or not going to be pro, that they'll have something else to fall back yeah. on and to navigate through whatever the real world throws at them if it's not, you know, pro-based. But of course, you know, becoming proficient at basketball or any athletic activity, I suppose, does prepare one in many ways for the larger world. They're yeah, learning valuable lessons from you. Absolutely. I, I think all, you know, um, corporations want somebody that has a sports base mm. um, because you have an, a really good understanding of um, what it is to be a team member. You have an understanding of if it's your turn to lead, it's time to lead. Um, it, it, it teaches you how to work with people, work with people from different backgrounds, and um, and and it, it just broadens your horizon, horizon from a person standpoint, mm-hmm. from a just just understanding how to navigate people, without you know with, without you not being able to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And, I, and everything to me is really a competitive world. So I always think about, you know, I always think about, and I always kind of explain to our players, um, when they come to me with problems with other teammates, and I always ask them, did you talk to them? You know, if you had, well, what did you say? What was the conversation like? I like to know the origin of it, because I can help them a little bit better. And I can, I can direct them. Like, I don't like to just step in and, just say, uh, I step in when they've exhausted all those options of, of, of making it work. And I think that's the beauty of 
I think that's the beauty of who I am. You know, I think, I also think that not being a parent helps with that as well. Not being. In what sense? Um, you know, when, when you're a, a, when you're a parent, you, you, and I, I, I'm going to say this. Cause I sat with, I sat with some, some recruits and a recruit and their parent yesterday. And they, they were asking me several questions and I'm like, okay, so you, you got, you are parents, you got two kids. Do you treat them the same way? And they, they, they really just stopped for a second. And I was like, I don't treat our players the same way. I don't because they aren't the same person. They, they, they've, you know, and I use the analogy, like if you had your, your, your son, you know, who is straight laced, you know, they do what they, he does what you ask them to do. And then you got your daughter here is just kind of unruly and she's just kind of free willing it. And I said, if, you know, if they disappointed you in, in a certain way, you know, you would not, you would not treat them the same way because your son has done, you know, that's uncharacteristic of your son. Now your daughter, you know, who's unruly, you would, you would treat differently. And I, I just feel like I'm able to, um, meet people where they are, Yeah. meet people where they are. And it's okay. And it's where okay. They are. And it's, it's truly is like, I, I don't think I'm, I'm probably the most non-judgmental person that you'll ever meet because we're different. You know, we, you know, whatever it is that you want to accomplish in life, I'm going to, I'm going to meet you there and hopefully I can arm you with some things that will take you to the next level. And that's my job to do. I think, and I'm really good at that. And that has nothing to do with basketball. That is what well, some things have to do with basketball. It makes a better team. I bet it, it does. But if, if you're, if my players are in a good headspace, they're going to be great basketball players. Okay. But if, if it's vice versa, if they're great basketball players, not a good headspace off the floor, it's, it's going to trickle on the floor. Yeah. Um, so I think because I haven't, and maybe I'm just, I'm just being that single, I'm just being that non-parental person that, that have been blessed with children, but they don't live with me. So they go <laughs> home, they go home to their parents. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. So, I mean, I think it's, I've learned so much and a lot of me has learned that because of the household I grew up in. Like yeah. there are, for my mom, there were non-negotiables. There are certain things that she would not tolerate. I'm probably the same way. They're on the same lines, like lying, cheating, stealing. That, don't tolerate. Right. Being on time, you know, you got to be on time because that is a true mark of who you are as a person and yeah. your character. Yeah, those so. are the those are the basics. Basics. And you got to deliver on those mm -hmm. at least. And then who you are as a person, that's obviously mm -hmm. you'll accommodate. Now, a word from our sponsors. 
a special message from former Governor Jim Hodges. Hello, South Carolina. This is Jim Hodges. What I like most about SC Whitmore School is the personalized one-on-one attention that each student receives. Students progress through courses at their own pace. You can graduate early or take the time you need to catch up. SC Whitmore School is an online public charter high school serving South Carolina students since 2011. Check out scwhitmoreschool.org or call 866-476-6416. Um, I, it strikes me that you're, you've, you're an amazing role model, but not by choice. You're... You just had this um, career. You were very singularly focused. Mm -hmm. You had these amazing opportunities and successes along the way. And you just are who you are, I suppose, shaped by those experiences. Mm -hmm. But as a result now, you seem to have, um, you're better armed than most to guide and teach because of those experiences. And you have more sort of street cred as, as well, just mm -hmm. credibility because of your accomplishments, mm -hmm. I, I imagine. What is the interaction like between you and your players on the court and off the court? To me, it's one and the same. Like, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty similar in all cases because, again, I, I, I give everything its own space. Mm. Like, if, it's, if we're doing something on the court and something funny happens, well, we're going we're gonna to laugh, have a good time in that moment. But we were in the middle of something serious. We're going to flip that switch and go right back go to back it. Go back to it. Um, and I, I think I, I have great balance in that. Um, I, I can recognize when, when someone's having a bad day and balance that out. Um, I, I try to be as equally balanced when it comes to criticizing a player. Um, Versus as well. praising. Yeah, you, you, I mean, I'm ex as excited. Why are you so tuned in to how people feel? Uh, I, I, I believe it just comes from, like, I, I mean, my experiences have, have shaped me. Um, I've had coaches that play head games. For what? Like, yeah. for what? I've had coaches who have been as, you know, frank and transparent as possible. Um, I've had coaches who are, um, like, shy and afraid to speak up. Mm. Like, I've had a number of these coaches, and I'm just like, you know, I, I did take from the ones that I like. I had coaches who were just, just so positive. Like, they saw positive and everything. Yeah. Um, I'm not that person, but <laughs> I balance it with that. So I take a little bit from, from everybody besides the head games. I don't like the head games no. because who does? I, just, you're right, I just think that, you know, the more direct you are with the player, they'll have an understanding of what, is, what, it, what they need to do. Because um, you tell them. Because you, yeah, you tell them, <laughs> and you tell them why. Yeah, right. I am the into tell. Here's why. That reminds me of something uh, you told me earlier. You said that success isn't winning per se; it's the process, it's the how and the why. You said that that gets you ultimately to winning. Will you explain a little more what that means? Like every single year, 
you, you take a team. Like, I look at my team this year, and we've been, we've been very fortunate over the past two years to have a great group of players who they just want to win. They don't party. They, they don't, they're, they're pretty boring. Um, but they're, they're singularly focused on, you know, wanting to be a professional athlete, you know, wanting to do things the right way, you know, afraid to, to stray from what their norm is. Cool. It's cool. Like, I, job is easy. Right? Right. Then we come into this year where we got five players who are new, four by being a freshman and one is a transfer. From um, Syracuse. From Syracuse, yes. Um, and you got this other group of players who are returners that they they only know the way that they've come in here and existed. These other five, they're a lot different than they're a lot different than them. They they're social, they're outgoing, they wanna they wanna do stuff, they wanna experience stuff. They are out from under their, you know, the guise of their parents. So they're free now. So they want to experience stuff, a lot more stuff than the first, you know, the last two years. So we got to balance and we got to coexist while allowing them to experience. They're freshmen. They want to have a right. Right. So we're going to have to balance that. And you just, I just talked to them. It's going to be hard, you know. Today we had practice and I'm just like, we, we have to learn, like I said, they are they were they are singularly focused on scoring the basketball. Like they really get, you know, off by scoring the ball. And I'm just like, okay, well, there's one ball. There's gonna be sixteen of us. We're gonna to have to find a way, you know, who who should be shooting that ball? Who who has the best shot on the floor? Um, and I said it's going to be hard for some of you that really don't understand how to play. But in the end, you're gonna be really um, thankful and your successes are going to be in the same space as as you're thinking now by you know being aggressive and wanting to score so I, I kind of just kind of paint the, the process for them you know each and every day so when they have that bad day it's the days we were talking about remember right. back in you know June 29th I said this and so you're teaching them how to how really how to become integrated into a team because they're coming, they were probably the star player yeah. in their previous mm-hmm. situation, you know. And now here they are, and they have to share the court and figure out strategies. Follow the coach. Yeah, you gotta be. You gotta be direct. Like, yeah. I do. I have an ego, you know. Yes, I do. Everybody's got an ego. And my ego's not on display every day. Um, it comes out when it when it needs to come out, um, but. I just think you should allow young people to grow, but you also have to be, you know, the alpha at times. Right. Because they need to know that this is this is how things are going to be done. Somebody's got to lay down the, the law. It's my job. To do that. Job. I don't mind doing it. Um, because I want to, it's almost like this. It's a great analogy. Like, I, I got a puppy. I got a puppy three and a half years ago. Right? Um... So either I'm gonna allow my boy Champ to just do what he wants to do where we live. So if I don't potty train him, then he's just he's you know we're not it's, it's not a livable environment. <laughs> so you got to train him. 
Like, and I didn't really didn't have any training. Like, I, this is my first dog. Um, so I just, some my, my college coach was nice enough to, to, and I didn't know she did this. Every month I would receive a box, like a bark box. And it would teach you, it would tell you what your dog needs to be knowing at this stage of their life. Oh, cool. And I followed that and I took my time. I took them out to potty. That was probably one of the cons of getting this kind of dog is they, they take forever to potty train. Oh, great. Um, so, I mean, but it only took them about two months, which was, which was good. But then I started teaching them just their tricks, but their discipline, you know, just my voice, you know, who's the, you know, who's the alpha dog. And because of that, we both live in a good space. He knows where he knows where the, what the rules are. I know what the rules are. We we coexist and we live great. I tell our I tell our point guards that. Even if, as a freshman, I was like, look, you got to treat our team as puppies. So you got to train them to how you want them to play and react to you. And that's that's done in a number of ways. You can pull them to the side. You can you have to figure that out. You have to be observant and know how people want to take in information from you. Hopefully it doesn't include potty training, though. Right, right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> because be like, the and point guard would be like, oh, man. <laughs> but it's exhausting up front. Like, the, the, the first few months are exhausting. Yeah. But then you'll have a, a lifetime of great relationships mm-hmm. and people who just absolutely love to play with you. That's how I treated it. That's how I treated sure. my teammates. Like, if you probably go back to high school, my, my teammates from high school to Olympics will probably all say the same thing is I treated them with respect. Um, I, I got on them when, when the time was needed to get on them. But we had built a relationship. So but by that's the time, part of treating somebody with respect is. is to be honest with them. Absolutely. And, and honest, to give them what they need. Honest sometimes is I'm not passing the ball to you anymore. Go rebound because you keep missing my passes or you keep you know, missing the layup, one or the other. Right. So I'm not, I'm unafraid to say, I'm, uh, you're cut off, go rebound. <laughs> and it does, it hurts them, but we're trying to win. They tuck their tail between their legs yeah, to, to extend the do. puppy metaphor. Yes, yeah. yes. Right. <laughs> so let me ask you this about women's basketball. Mm-hmm. So much has changed since when you were playing even, you know, uh, just the whole, there seems to be more money in it. There seems to be more higher expectations, more opportunity. Not enough though, I guess. Tell me about how you see the, the, the industry, w- women's basketball, the future of women's basketball, and some of the opportunities that your team faces today that you probably didn't face when you were coming up. Um, I mean, women's basketball is a lucrative sport, whether, you know, whether, whether people want to believe that or not. Um, meaning just the, the sport, meaning like, um, like there is a demand for it. Yeah. On a, TV. A, a growing demand. A growing demand. Commercially, but also among uh, viewers and fans. The whole gamut. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I've been on these calls with some of the, some of the, the icons of our sport coaches, 
you know, Gino Ariema, Tara Vanderveer, you know, the, the president of our, you know, Women's Basketball Coaches Association. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of the younger ones, um, but I, I sit back and I, I listen to all the things that they're saying. And, 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 and I, I look at what happened at the NCAA tournament this year, mm-hmm. um, where all the um, inequities um, that, that occurred mm-hmm. like publicly uh, I listened to what Gino and Tara were, were saying, you know, like, this has always happened. Like, they've been in it for 30 plus years. And I mean, I'm, and I simply asked the question, like, why? Why would, why would one go to such great lengths to hold women's basketball, women's sports down? Why? And... And <laughs> I mean they, I mean they, they chalk it up to being it's a man's world, like. But. But there's money to be made. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I mean, the, the bottom line is. Yes, like there's money. Isn't it to be as lucrative as possible to? And I just, for the life of me, can't understand why. Like, and I, and I'm starting to understand, like, like the differences, like. Men's basketball, they get they get money for going to the NCAA tournament. Like your institution gets money. They they call units. So when you when you advance in the NCAA tournament on the men's side, that means more money comes into your conference, into your university. And then for us, it's just chalked up to be overall we lose too much money as a as a sport, it's it's perceived as an expense to the institution. Yes, to every to everyone, and I can't believe that it's. So an there are expense. two systems. There are two different economic systems at play here. Yes, one from the men, but and it's one from all the women. coming. It's all under one, the NCAA. Right. So the NCAA has eighty-eight or eighty-nine championships. Only one of them make money. And that's huh. the men, that's March Madness, the okay, men. right. Because of how it's set up. It's always like, we got a television deal with ESPN. We don't know how much that's worth. And you're not seeing any part of it? No. Huh. But, and, but we don't have competition either. Like ESPN doesn't have competition with other networks. And I don't know if that's because of you know, other parties holding that back. But we we like to see the books opened up and and shown where we, you know, where we aren't making any money. Are you pushing for that? Yeah, we're all pushing for okay. it. Okay. Yes. As, as, a, as an industry, as, as a group? As a group, The women's yes. basketball? Yes, we are pushing hmm. for that. So are you hopeful? I mean, does it feel like the restraints are loosening at least a little bit? Um, well, I think the best thing that has happened is what took place at the NC, at, in San Antonio at the at our tournament. Well, just speaking the, out and all the inequities, all the comparisons, all of everything. Like they, the NCAA has hired a law firm to investigate it. But, but who's going to see the, the results? results? Of the <laughs> Are yeah. we? 
So we're going to push for the results. We want to see the results. We want, we want the books to open yeah. up. We want, you know, we want equal footing. And if it comes back to where we're not making money, then we'd be the first ones to say, hey, keep doing, the, keep doing what you're doing. What do you think of the Supreme Court decision recently about college athletics? That it was basically okay to provide some degree of remuneration, at least in the form of non-monetary um, things. So, I, I think I think it's great. That's on, on one hand. A step in the right direction, or just great? Period. No, it's a step in the right direction, um, but it's not thought out. You know, like. We're gonna feel it. It's gonna. It's gonna certainly um, disrupt the sanctity of team. It is, but it's a great thing. I, I want it to happen for our for for student athletes, um, and and I think it's also great that it 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 puts the NCAA on its heels because for because of. Their business model, they and I just heard this today, and I've heard it before. Like their business model would not work in any other industry around the world. So it is tapping into some of the funds that the NCAA gets or will get, and it's trickling down to the student athletes, the ones that are really, you know. Hmm. Or that are putting in the sweat equity. Yeah, right. Right. Well, who are right? Yeah. So, They're the draw. Right. So I, I think it will it will is beneficial to the student athletes. But it will is it is going to come at the, you know, we're going to have to deal with some stuff. Yeah, coaches. I suppose so. Yeah, it's going to change yeah. a little bit the dynamic. Yep. But you you said it's a step in the right direction. So, what more should be done? If you could wave a magic wand, mm -hmm. what would you do to like women's basketball? Boom! Wave a magic wand. What would what would it look like? Um, I I would say um, it could it could look very much like what the men what the men are doing. Mm -hmm. So it's equity. Because we're just talking about equity here. We're, we're talking about equity. We're not talking about equal because some of the things that they like we may not like. It's equity. Yeah. Well, equity right d doesn't necessarily mean equal. equal yes. It, it just means fair. You know. The, right. The, 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 fair. Like if you. If you drew up a business model for women's basketball, um, just the same one as 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 the men. And you think it would work? You uh, think there's enough demand now? Yeah, I do think there's enough mm. demand. Will we make as much? I don't know. I don't know, but surely we would make. But but the mathematical formula at least could be the same. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. And, and we want that. Why why not that? Why not? I mean, why why not? Yeah. So tell me about you and your future. Um yeah. what what are you going to do? Do you still see a room for growth in your position here at the University of South Carolina? I mean, given the fact that women's basketball seems to be evolving in very positive ways. Mm -hmm. It's do you do you see opportunity here? What do you, where do you want to be in 10 years? Oh, maybe retired <laughs> with with your dog. <laughs> um, I guess you could you, do that. You know, you deserve it. I've uh, I've 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 never like put a a cap on what it is that I want to do. I've I've never, I've I, I, honestly, I've always let God just kind of 
use me to where I need to go. Um, and I, and it, it usually happens like overnight. Boom, something. Yeah, it is. Like, I mean, it does seem to me like you're facing, you're reaching a point in your career where you've accomplished so much and you've given so much to the University of South Carolina and everybody's so grateful. No one would begrudge you if you wanted to do something else or mm -hmm. then they'd be delighted if thrilled if you stay and what and mm -hmm. and it just seems to me like you have several really good options potentially. I mean, mm -hmm. not everything is necessarily materialized. I don't know if you've gotten any explicit offers yet, mm -hmm. but uh, it just seems like you're in a really great place and everybody would be happy for you, whatever you chose right. to do. Right. You go to men's basketball and coach a men's team. Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, again, I, I've been very fortunate. Like, I, you know, there's a such thing I do believe in God's favor. I do, and I think it's upon me where I, I don't have to want for anything. Like I, I don't have to want to be somewhere or it just happens. I'm supposed to be where I where I am. Now. Now. And it's the University of South Carolina. Um and I, I think every stop that I've that I've had, I've been received in this in the same way. Like everywhere I've gone. And I think it just goes back to who I am and what I represent. You may or may not like me, but you wouldn't respect me because I don't, again, I'm not judge, judgmental. I don't, I just I just walk in my truth, whatever that is. When and, you were younger though, you, you were determined to become an Olympic athlete and yeah. you became an Olympic athlete. You were determined to win a national championship and you won a national championship. Yeah, 27 years after. Okay. 27 well, years. It took a minute, yeah. but you know, you got it. So there is a lot of determination and will mm -hmm. and focus on the one hand, but on the other hand, you're saying you're allowing I do. a like, higher power to provide the guidance. Yes. But both, yeah. there must be a balance there, I guess. There is a balance, you know, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, because I haven't really told anybody this, like I, I spoke to the, the Portland Trailblazers. Yes, right. Right? I interviewed with them. And um, and I never had a an ounce of me that wanted to coach um, WNBA, NBA, men's college bat like no ounce of me. Um, but when I when I did the Portland Trailblazers interview, um, and with the understanding that that was that was actually only my third interview in my life. Temple, South Carolina, Trailblazers. Trailblazers. Um, so I don't, I don't know how to be besides be myself, and that's who I was. Um, but how I, did I it feel that interview? To being in that space, what what was the? It was it was a huge challenge. Like it presented a challenge. I'm drawing the challenges. Like I really am. Like. I never had Why any am ounce. I not surprised <laughs> to hear I that? I never had any ounce of, you know, but I never looked at coaching an NBA team as a challenge until I, I went through the process of the, the interview. And there were, uh, there were lots of questions about dealing with people, dealing with the guys, 
how would you handle a superstar versus a role I'll player? I bet you they're too overly concerned about that because you're a woman, right? So they want to. Um, I mean, there is. I don't think necessarily as a woman because again I, I come with credentials, and and I think those men are tangible people. Like they want to know who they're learning from, who they're. they're I have no by. doubt. Yeah. I'm just wondering if they're asking the same questions of you that they would ask of a male person interviewing for the job. Um, it seemed like it was okay. Good, great. Yeah, it, it seemed like it was legit. Great. Okay. Um. So. I, it, it it really piqued my interest. And I actually told him that. I was like, I didn't really have any interest in until now, until somebody actually had some real interest in me. Um, but <laughs> you also learn, like I wanted to learn, like I wanted to go through, I really didn't want to go through it, but I wanted to go through it. And then I was happy that I went through it because if there are any other women that want to get into it, I, I know the questions, I took notes, I. I did all of those things. Um, um, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a well done. I didn't feel like they were checking the box. I didn't want to feel that way. No, that's why I'm they, really hesitant of doing like other NBA interviews. Uh, I don't really know if they're ready yet either. You need to know that they're genuinely interested. I do, and I, I felt that from the Trailblazers. I did. Yeah. Um, so, so what's what's the status of that, if I may ask? No, they, they they hired a coach already. Okay. Yeah, they hired a coach who had they they told me they 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 were going to go with um, someone that had NBA experience because of where they were with their team. Okay. And if they were starting over, they said. Okay. It's have you thought about like you know women's basketball as it's coming up? It just again you know seems to have it's just ripe there's yeah. stuff good things happening yeah there there are a lot of great things happening and i and i and i honestly don't think we give ourselves we we don't do ourselves we do ourselves a disservice because we don't we don't highlight every all the great things that we have we we pick and choose to uh we choose a narrative and stay with it no matter what. Huh. Like more formal, a formal. More favorable face to, to the them, public. yeah. So it's it's not, you know, it's not all of what we're good at or great at. It is the most popular person, team, mm. and they just ride that wave. And it's it hurts our game. Because there's so many stories to tell. There's so many. They're getting better now because, you know, I've spoken out on it. Um, I thought two years ago, I thought we were the best team. We had the, the momentum going. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we hadn't lost a game in a long time. We had a freshman class that was just outstanding. Um, and did they talk about them a little bit? Yes. You know, but they kept the same narrative all year long and they missed out and then the bottom fell out so those stories are lost and they're, they're never going to be told mm -hmm. so i just hope that we continue to to navigate through our our women's basketball world with that in mind you gotta tell the stories <laughs> you gotta 
That's you, what it's all you, about. You, you have to tell the stories. Yeah. And you know, I'm and I'm not being biased. Um, tell all the stories. We we got a great thing going on here at the University of South Carolina. Like a great thing. I think we are we are um, every so often there's a there's just a popular team. And and <laughs> this is it and it's lasting. Yes, it's, you know, we we've sustained and I, I just don't think they tell enough of what's happening here, and I don't know why. They, the institution? No, just women's basketball. Oh, women's basketball in general. Okay. In, in general. No, I, no, I think yeah, locally. It's, a, it's remarkable. I think locally the, the, the media here does us, you know, great. Yeah. It's the national media that doesn't, that doesn't um, pivot. <laughs> value what's happening here enough. Yeah. 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 So which really I, is remarkable. Incredibly. We should t tell the national media. You you yeah. you, yeah. You, 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 you listen to But again, um, see I control my ego. Like I gotta keep my ego well, under control oh, because well it's partially it's all, a lot about you, but it's not only about you. It's about what's going no, on no, in this program. Not, not in that regards. In regards of talking about our team. Oh yeah. Like our you know not our team, our fans, you know, you know this, our state, all of it should be should be told in a way that 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 can be mirrored somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Like when you don't tell the whole story that what's been happening here, you hold back a another small town, you know, or another school that that's considered a football school, but you've carved out a, a piece. You know, to, to appreciate women's basketball. And who knows that when the next great player might come from that place. So it, it, it is that. So it's not, you know, there, there are other stories out there that, you know, can, can help grow our game that, that we had, we're, we're, not, we're not hitting the mark. Mm. Well, I am very optimistic. I choose to be very optimistic about women's basketball. I think it's exciting to see what's happening. It's amazing to see what's happening at the University of South Carolina and all that you've accomplished here, and no doubt will continue to accomplish. So my hearty congratulations and gratitude Thank to you. you for sharing your story and your vision. And um, it's quite an honor, actually, to be able to speak to you and um, hear about this remarkably down-to-earth <laughs> approach you have to life, you know, despite all of the trophies around yeah. us and everything. Yeah, it's amazing. So thank you so much, Coach Staley. Thank you. Very thank appreciative. You. Thank you for having me. 12 Black Leaders to Know is a special series of The Post and Career, produced by Chris Zeller, with interviews conducted by Adam Parker, and video production by Matthew Crum. Thank you to our sponsors, Bank of America, College of Charleston Master of Business Administration, South Carolina Governor's School for the Arts and Humanities, Claflin University, Nephron Pharmaceuticals, South Carolina Whitmore School, Ingevity, South Carolina Buy Black Locally, Trident Technical College, and Middleton Place. To learn about South Carolina's pantheon of social justice warriors, visit postandcourier.com slash blackhistory.